Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. and welcome to the What Culture Gaming Podcast. I am your host for the day, Jules Gill, and I'm very nervous because Scott is away on his honeymoon and it's been left to the dregs to try and keep this going. But I will do my best for you lovely people. But I am joined, of course, by the lovely Ash Millman. Hello. And the equally lovely Josh Brown, everyone. But today... Instead of speaking about niceties and pleasant things, we're going to be going into the dark and horrible world of video game fear creation. Because I know that both of you have quite a vested interest in sort of fear creation. I mean, Ash, you are a massive uh, horror fan. Before you worked here, you actually had a horror blog, didn't you? No. (laughs) <laughs> but I, uh, she did she did she's I just being a, a pain that, in the arse I, I had a film blog but I know oh. it covered mostly horror films there we go so yeah to be fair yeah but but being pedantically <laughs> no thank you for making this a very easy position as host Josh are you going to be equally equally difficult I'll try not to be but it depends what you ask Jules <laughs> do you like horror films yes okay thank no you. comment <sighs> okay right so explain why um, well it, they were like that was the genre that got me into movies mm-hmm. it, uh, some of my favourite games are horror games Silent Hill 2 one of my favourite games of all time Outlast is awesome which I'm sure we'll talk about today mm-hmm. I did my dissertation on horror movies and like the mechanics of how they work work and stuff the psychological elements i thought you did a dissertation on pregnant women yes yeah it was mothers and horror movies and the combination of both i'll have you know yeah and i did my uh, thesis on uh, sound design in horror films so ah. between us we should have a modicum of understanding of why video games implement horror and how they do it and why it's effective because the main discussion point today is Why are we so interested in horror video games? I mean, at its core point, fear is something that we do not want as a human. Like, that is something that our body is abjectively telling us to get away from the source of it. Either it's going to be something that damages us psychologically or physically. We don't want none of that. But in video games and film, we are drawn to it Mm -hmm. for some reason. There's a fascination with death and the occult and the macabre. And it's a strange one, isn't it? That was a lovely pronunciation of the macabre there. (laughs) It's interesting, though. 
Because, I mean, yeah, we are drawn to it. Horror movies make so much money. Horror games make so much money. There are so many of them. People love making them, like, maybe because it's, like, the accessibility of the genre or something. But mm. when the Steam boom happened in, like, 2012, 2010 with, like, the genre and stuff, Amnesia came out. Everyone was making these sort of cool, innovative horror games, and it was a real creative space. I just think horror genre, no matter the medium, is mm. such a creative endeavor that's completely overlooked, tragically, mm. by, you know, the uh, the elite who don't deem it true art or whatever. It's, mm. it's weird, isn't it? Because they do seem to be, like, in uh, the public mind quite often. Maybe is it because of the fact that they are something that you can talk about and it's a shared experience? Mm. Maybe it's because if, if something scares me, I want to show you to get validation yeah, and, yeah. and yeah. the fact that, scared, that I'm scared by Well, it. I mean, me and Rage did the uh, stream last night laser for you too and it's like yeah. it's, it's, it is a good shared experience like when you have someone there it works both as a collective thing and as an isolating thing where you just you've got your headphones on you're entrenched in the atmosphere and you're having to change your pants essentially because you, <laughs> you've had an accident because laser fee is too scary. Oh, Putting no. the brown in yes. Josh Brown last night. Exactly like Extreme, that. Extreme, yeah. was it? You know, I think uh, I think horror is such a social experience where you go to the people, you can all chat about it afterwards, you mm. can say, oh, okay, this scared me, this doesn't. Um, but I think the main thing that is appealing about horror as a genre, both as games and as films and as every other little piece that you can consume is that it isn't, real so everything that mm. you go into within uh, games and films is a safe space for you to experience something horrible and horrifying without well, but while something is never actually going to get into you and in your head and get you so it's like a, a way of experiencing um, our own like horrible morbid curiosities without consequence it's kind of I think that that term's got a name hasn't it I think it's sort of called quasi fear or mm. quasi fear where it's like, uh, like you're, quasi yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're kind of put, you're put into a, um, like a almost catatonic state when you're mm. watching a film but you're subjected to the material and mm. you're just uh, you're allowed to process it that way it's why we therefore give agency to what we're watching mm. rather than ourselves and but we take on their actions as fear for ourselves yeah. but it's interesting when it comes to video games because i'd say that film horror is totally different to video game horror and mm. it comes down to simply while you might be imp- able to implement the same techniques as jump scares or cats appearing out of garages as uh, remember that thing yes. in scream like in video games you are in control of the mm. player more so therefore that extra level of agency do you guys think that that makes video games potentially more frightening well th- for me this is like this is the cool thing we're going to get into it because there are pros and cons to this approach i do think it makes it way more immersive and of course i'm going to mention vr because when you're in there <laughs> you're actually in the horror space it's terrifying but the fact that you have you're an active participant in the horror itself can make things in my opinion way scarier than the than than they are just watching something play out on a screen. But at the same time, it's far more difficult to pull horror off effectively, I think, Mm -hmm. when you give players freedom and control over characters because horror works in movies, I think, because it's so well-directed and well-scripted. Like, you Mm. need to really pace it well for a scare to pay off. Whereas you, you free some of that control up when it's a video game and you actually let the player sort of you know, essentially co-direct the scene with you. You're there in charge, charge of like the camera angles and like the setting and the jump scares and when it's going to happen. But the player is fundamentally in control of how mm. they navigate the world. Oh, I mean, the amount of times that I've accidentally missed a horror moment, like uh, in Dead Space 2, you know, the very infamous scene where the mother calls over the baby yeah. and the baby explodes yeah. like <laughs> afterwards. I missed that the first time around. So I didn't have a clue what everyone was on about. So I just yeah. walked past and saw this massive red smear on the wall because I'd heard it happen. I was like, that sounds really scary. What's going on there? Turn around and start like, what's this jam? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like the trust you put in a player as well because obviously 
the the thing for movies is the less you show the monster, the scary it is because mm. your imagination fills in the blanks. When you have a monster that you can go up close and personal to in a game and just sort of stare at and look at the polygons <laughs> yeah. making it off, the fee is suddenly dis- yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the um, uh, Mr. X. Yeah, Mr. Yeah. X is is terrifying. But when you see that he can't get into that safe room in the Resident Evil Two remake, you just yeah. look at me like, well, aren't uh, you a bi- aren't you a big silly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I think um, this is the whole active passive thing. I think in films there's a there's a, the directed side of it but in games because everything revolves around death and the mechanics that are related to death you're not going to survive all the time so there's something that takes it away from games we mm. have to repeat the same thing over and over we spoke about this in our like film and game yeah. podcast but as soon as you start dying and you start redoing things and you get the repetition it drastically changes it from the horror you get in a, in a film I can and it has that. to work a lot harder I, I personally get a lot more whoa from films than I do from games but I do really respect horror games and love them and want to engage with mm. them and everything but I think the scariest moments for me are the ones that are in films because you don't know when they're coming you don't know what they are you don't have any preparation for it in the same way that you do in a game where you can die and redo and go over mm. but yeah. um, so what we're going to do now is we're going to walk through what makes a horror game scary? Imagine like we're trying to build a horror mm. game together. Like, what aspects do we need to address in order to make our product the scariest that it could be? Mm-hmm. I guess the first thing we need to do is define what type of horror we are going to try and implement because there are a few different types of horror that mm-hmm. are some are easy to create. I'd say that shock or jump scare stuff is incredibly easy. You could walk into a room, have a face pop up onto the screen, yeah. and oh, you've you've made the person jump like Five yeah. Nights at Freddy sort of thing. Yeah. But that is that effective horror. That's that cuz that that's an immediate response that has an immediate End. I think for me, jump scares. I don't hate them as much as other people do. I think they they can be really well utilized when they're mixed in with other elements. If that's all you've got, if all mm. you've got is a loud noise at the end of like your sequence, then you need something more. Because like you said, mm. that's such a in the moment response to it. You do get jump, you do have a jump, and then you like laugh along with everyone else, and the moment's gone, and then there's no sustained tension. So I think that can work as a payoff, but you need to have sort of some wider sense of dread and atmosphere to mm. sort of mm. make sure that once that jump scare, jump scare pops off. You not all all the tension isn't broken. Yeah. Yes, there's still a sort of like a sense of immersion there. Like atmosphere is the key concept mm. to it, really. I mean, what games can you guys think of that like have what for atmosphere? Or for yeah, like, like what, what would you say is like a quintessential atmospheric game? I think Outlast is great because mm. like which you're in a mental asylum, so you're like, whoa, okay, that's yeah. very classically spooky, and you have to look through your like found footage lens and everything. Mm. I think that's a, a great atmospheric one. Amnesia as well because of the whole sanity thing and being underground. I think most if a horror game isn't atmospheric it's doing its job wrong. Yeah, I mean, that's why I would always point that Resident Evil is one of the strangest franchises. I mean, you're a huge yeah, fan of Resident Evil. Because yeah, yeah. They, a lot of people call them the granddaddy of, of horror games uh, coming out in 1996 with Resident Evil 1. And trust me, that was a scary game when I played that for the first time. When I was younger, man, my dad used to play it and I couldn't watch the screen. Yeah, I was so it's, terrified. It's terrifying. But now you look at that and let's leave Resident Evil 7 out of the equation for the moment get to Resident Evil 6, you put those two games side by side, you wouldn't even be able to tell that they're from the same franchise because it's an action spectacle that doesn't reward horror in the same way. It's just more like, here's a thing that has five limbs. It's scary now. Like, <laughs> Look okay. at all the eyes, you know. Yeah. Like, no. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting how, like, like you say, even like um, within its own franchise, it can be hard to balance what horror is or how to deliver yeah, it. Yeah, definitely, in. yeah. Because, I mean, again, going back to the building things, atmosphere is definitely one of them. Mm-hmm. 
sound is definitely one. Oh yeah, which ties incredibly mm. closely to atmosphere because if you're not getting the what's yeah. that? Um, this is there's such a, a intrinsic link between human fear and noise. Like mm. even like even the smallest things like we are. Um, programmed as babies to be terrified of a, of a couple of things. I can't remember the other ones, but one of them is loud noises is something you'll always be scared of throughout life because it's a primal instinct mm -hmm. to be afraid of it. Um, so it's like sound is one of those things that will get you if it's a loud spike. And there's uh, so many scientific studies on how different like resonances of voices and spooky like like grudge noises. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> thank, thank you for the uh, yeah, <laughs> like set something off in you to go whoa there's some danger that sets yeah. a fight or flight response in you. And like again babies again when they're crying like uh, the primal response is to be like oh okay there's danger I need to look after this like it sets off nurturing things. We've got so many like markers in our mm. bodies that respond naturally to noises that it's horror's gonna take advantage of that to the best degree. I don't know. Have you guys played Alien Isolation yet? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, we, we played it. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, yeah. we, did, we did the bold leading the blind. <laughs> which I still love. You talked about that like all yesterday. I love it, man. I really want to play it again. It's one of the best games that I can think of for sound design because not only did it uh, try to really uh, honestly recreate the sound from the movies, which mm. is great because then it instinctively links that fear of yeah. um, aliens to the films itself much better. But they were a huge proponent in the use of binaural audio, mm -hmm. which is when you've got audio coming from any direction, yeah. but you're meant to be able to piece it together use, like using your imaginary headspace, I mm. guess is what you'd have. So, how, so hearing the footsteps of the xenomorph clumping behind you like Ash Millman in her big boots. Like, <laughs> yeah, big baby! Boom, boom. Yes, oh I say, God. Yeah, I know they're huge. <laughs> and then having that creep around the front into your actual vision, that is a really, like, yeah. important piece of horror for that's, me. I, I keep going about it. It's a bit of a joke, but that's genuinely a huge part of why VR works so well. Like, we mm. saw it a bit in um, Hellblade, like a non-VR game, the way that you use 3D audio to sort of put you in, like, this character's headspace and mm. you have, like, the voices all over the place. But in VR, even in, like, a demo, like the Resident Evil 7 demo, the kitchen demo, like, you're literally just... It's, it's more of an experience than a game. You're just, like, strapped to a chair while this creepy demon is, like, around you. But, like, mm. the use of sound in that is so good. Like, it tricks you to, like, look up there and, like, when you're doing there, it'll hit you with a noise down here. That's like a, you turn around, there's a head there or something mm. like that. But it's just, it's, it's, it, like you said, Ash, it's like, it's like a primal thing. Like, mm. when you're in that space and you know something is there, mm. it's like when you're in control of the actual act of looking. It's something you don't get in a horror movie. In a horror movie, you're like, don't look at it. Like, mm. please don't yeah. look at it. But you're ultimately not in control. And there's something special about being in, like, ha having your having the ability to control vision mm. knowing something is behind you or potentially behind you because you can hear it and having to slowly creak your neck around yeah. to mm. see what is happening that is just so terrifying but then there's a the whole other part of uh, horror games where you can just go no thank you and like run the other way because yeah. like, every time I play them I'm like nope sorry bye like run down <laughs> the corridor like I can hear something coming I'm going to go through this door really quickly well, like well, the th that's why I really like um, Resident Evil 1 yeah. and uh, actually up to Resident Evil 3 because of the fact that they use the static camera angle mm and therefore you could have enemies off screen that the player wasn't able to see but they were able to hear them mm. a case in point the very first zombie that you encounter in Resident Evil 1 you hear that munching that crunching noise you go down the um, the corridor and you walk forward you only get to see it uh, the room for a split second before the FMV is cut and that is a fantastic creation of 
uh, anticipation. What is I, what am I about to see? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Munch and, and crunch. Yeah. Yeah. Good old munch and crunch. Yeah. You know, and then you finally see it and you're like, oh my God, it's mm. a zombie. That oh, is. Jesus. Oh, He's eating Jesus. his face. That's not his dinner. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, it's uh, like using uh, masking what the player can see is mm-hmm. definitely an important one. I mean, games use uh, lighting uh, yeah. to great effect in horror games. I mean, we can all think of countless examples of when you've not been able to see like amnesia you mm. pointed out before like has the lantern and when that goes yeah oh no yeah then? You're like, you know? well again like outlast i think mm. that that not only plays with horror genre conventions like so well but the idea of having to use a camcorder that mm. you're mm. hyper aware of its battery life but you need it to like see in the dark and stuff mm. i think that's such a great way to play with lighting in a way that isn't just the conventional sort of oh this is shrouded yeah. in darkness like you're in control of it again you're looking around you have to turn it on and off because you need to conserve the battery and that's just like sort of terrifying yeah i think yeah. And especially um for me silent hill 2 is the game that perfectly blends both like lightning light lightning whoa, whoa. <laughs> both lighting and um sort of like those static camera angles because yeah. even though they aren't there all the time when you go into buildings the camera will swap from like one place to another mm. and i think that manipulates it so well the idea of something you can't see i always remember this one unscripted jump scare. i think it's unscripted jump scare that got me i was playing silent hill 2 for the first time and i was exploring a room i thought was um that had nobody in it it mm. was just deadly silent it was like no noise at all and i walked into um another part of the room and it switched to the other perspective and i thought that's fine i've checked this place out mm. there's no one behind me and then suddenly this creature walks across like the door frame like this with like just complete silence and I just stood still and I was like yeah. I'm not going back in there I don't this was this was supposed to be safe yeah. this is not safe and I was like that's brilliant like you all you've done there really is change the perspective mm. and you've managed to create such a palpable sense of dread that if yeah. you were in control of the camera you might not have even seen yeah yeah. It's, it, I, sorry this, just, there's something to be said for safety that's like an actual mm. massive part of it because again it's creating this safe space to explore these fears and stuff but in your own home and then creates others within the game where you think okay I've done this I've done that and the other and then it's breaking that false sense yeah. of security isn't it that's the whole thing that's, that's like, it. I think that's what games can do so well because we have especially now there is such like a homogenized set of mechanics that we expect to be in every game when you play a Resident Evil game you know that a couple headshots should take the bad guys down but even Resident Evil 2 recently mm. subverted that in such a great way where headshots weren't re- really rewarded yeah. they mm. did nothing and a lot of people were annoyed at that but that was such a great way to sort of create dread because the old tricks didn't work everything you yeah. thought you knew yeah. was wrong and then you didn't know you genuinely were like oh my god I have no idea how to deal with these enemies now yeah. and I think that's such a great way to create dread by not necessarily what you're seeing on screen but the response that you're getting from the actual controls yeah, and mechanics yeah, yeah, which is yeah. cool I mean like in general just having uh, control manipulation like you were pointing out with VR it's a new way to play it yeah. Resident Evil 7 obviously it was first person there's tons of first person like putting you the immediacy on the player but even in games like uh, Resident Evil when they were using the tank controls that a load of people really hate those tank controls, and I can understand why. But my argument is, is that that actually elevates the amount of fear that you experience in that game because mm. you don't have a responsive uh, character control that you can just get out of a mm. situation. Mm-hmm. If you walk forward and you've walked into an enemy, what are you going to do? Spend time turning around slowly to walk back? Or are you going to try and back up, which makes it even yeah. more mm. terrifying? Yeah, I, I mean, I love those tank controls, to be honest. Mm. I, I played Resident Evil 1 quite often, and I've got the uh, HD remastered mm. version, so I could change the controls, but I refuse to because it just <laughs> yeah. adds I, so much to the experience, in my opinion. Me too. I don't play with the updated control scheme because I find that it's really weird having the... I feel like it's two two games meshing in a way that doesn't really work. Mm, I know a lot of people would disagree, but I prefer playing it in the classic way because that's just how I feel it was meant to be 
it was made. A weird know? thing is, um, you know, in The Evil Within 2, which I think is a really great horror game, but mm. I've never played it, actually. I would fully recommend it. Okay. It's like one of my favorites of the generation so far. But at the start of that, like... like <laughs> Just drop that like a real casual one. <laughs> the generation so yeah, far. It's really good. Yeah. But it, at the start of that, obviously, because you can level up your character, so you mm. your guy can't shoot straight up for crap. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, the, 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 the reticule is all over the place. But I was sort of hesitant to actually upgrade that because I thought that added so much to sort of like the sense of dread and like the unpredictability of your shots. Like I can't even control my aiming yeah, because yeah. It, it like uh, these bullets are going to miss and these bullets are really sort of things I need to preserve. And they, it just made the game more intense. And once I could just pop headshots off left mm. and right, yeah, it was fun. But there was something, yeah, it was like something that was diminished there. Is that not a massive argument for the active and passive thing again, though? That mm. uh, the, the, the the cinematic, filmic sort of quality of horror is the thing that is entrenched the most in fear. Because you, the less control you have, the more you're like, oh, crap, what's happening to me? Like, Although I would say there's nothing more where I felt my ass sink through <laughs> my stomach. Like you <laughs> held your heart up yeah, yeah, yeah. From, my here, ass. From, from here right down to there <laughs> is when I've missed when you fire and mm. you miss yeah. and you've only got, because obviously another feature of uh, horror games is resource management mm -hmm. and the survival horror aspects of it. So scavenging together, say five bullets, mm. you know the enemy in front of you takes at least three to take down. Yeah. You've whiffed the first shot. <laughs> I'm like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> One adult nappy boots. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's... I, I, th I agree with what you're saying in a way, Ash, because I mm. do think it's sort of like you need that element of control. But I think it's also giving the player enough control to make them feel like they don't have it, if that makes any sense at all like there is sort of like it's well directed it's well directed and stuff but it's like the perception that you're not actually in control of your character it's kind of weird it's like there are there are machinations bigger than you you're mm. just sort of part of the world and you're mm. doing as best as you can but you're sort of being punched down by all of these other <laughs> yeah. sort of like I don't know, rules of the game, essentially. Maybe it's kind of like uh, comparing the two of like uh, a theater experience is like a roller coaster and a gaming experience is like a maze mm. because it take, you are controlled, but you're still working within a thing that only has one solution. Yeah. And you mm. can take dead ends and you learn from your, mis your yeah. experiences. Now, which is more fun, a maze or a, a roller coaster? That I mean, maybe those two aren't equivalent on that because mm. I'd rather be on a roller coaster. Don't ask Rich Hudson that because I mean, I know oh his answer. Gosh, and I know yeah. what his answer would be every time that a roller coaster <laughs> is mentioned in that question. His ears are probably bricked up right now. <laughs> running. Oh, running coaster, was it? The thing that I really like about um, horror games is that they place a real importance mm. on certain items and the character's inventory. Yeah. So, for example, if you get a handgun early on in the game or you get a knife or a shotgun, mm. it tells you that this is a really important thing because it will prevent whatever is going to attack you mm. from attacking you. Fine. By limiting the amount of ammunition it gives you, by having weapons degrade or break, it removes that. And it's all about depowering the player. Mm. As Joshua was saying earlier, it's about when you've got the wavy reptile. Yeah. It's that feeling of, of, of non-empowerment that makes you feel scared because you're mm. like, I could be killed by anything. Yeah. Like, this this is what I want to ask you guys about, actually, because mm. obviously Amnesia ushered in that boom of first person sort of almost walking simulator-esque like mm. horror games where you're essentially, you've got no weapons, no way to fight back. All you've got to do is not look at the monsters mm. and run, yeah. which I think can be quite good, but I prefer the, when you are given some sort of way to defend yourself, whether it's like a gun or like mm -hmm. a, some kind of weapon but that weapon has faults, like you said, like mm. you've got limited ammo, you've got something to be worried about because then you can fight back, but it's always the worry that you might not be able to, whereas <laughs> yeah. if there's only one solution to the problem, that's just run away. That, for me, gets repetitive, and that's why some of these games don't work because if you just keep getting caught over and over again and yeah. you have to 
you are funneled down this one solution to the problem, it's kind of like, oh, I can see the game's like stitches sort of coming yeah. apart. It's mm. like coming apart the seams. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, What Culture Gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. No, no, I agree with that, actually, because the amount of times if I've, say, failed a a stealth mission or failed a stealthing thing where the only way I can get past is by hiding and waiting and I have to reset it again to do that, that does get frustrating because it's hard to be afraid of something when you're getting angry at it. That's it. That's exactly it. And that's what, for me, I I love Outlast, but Mm -hmm. Outlast 2, I love the atmosphere of it, but Mm. that sort of frustrated me because I didn't think the game design was, the level design was quite up to snuff in that Mm. it was was more open, there were more dead ends, there were more ways to get caught. And Mm. once you got caught a few times, once Mm. you saw the same animations over and over again, the fear was just gone. Like you were too comfortable Mm. in the situation. And like you said, I was angry at it rather than being scared of it. I I think the best, the best horror game, 
games are the ones that combine both. Like Alien Isolation, where you've got a xenomorph coming after you, but you're fighting off humans and that sort of thing. Yes. Robots. So you've got some autonomy over what you can do, but when the big bad comes, you're like, oh, crap. Mm-hmm. What? Sorry, Karen. I don't know. Sorry. My, my mouse went, what? <laughs> <laughs> Hellblade as well, I think. That uh, that one mission where you have to go through all of the horrible swamp monsters because you're blind and the, the what's-his-face is leading you through. The man. The mm-hmm. man. The man. The man uh, is uh, leading you through after you've been absolutely hacking apart all of the Northmen and then you have to go and sneak past all of the pulsing brains in the water. I thought that was great. I thought that was actually really like scary. Yeah. Um, and that was because it swapped it around um, and that was the change in control. I think that's a really good way of horror building its own atmosphere and mythos that gets you invested. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. It, it was just when you mentioned Alien Isolation, mm. I remembered a little bit of information from it, which is that the way that the alien was programmed had a very interesting story. Mm. There are actually two AIs running on that character mm. uh, of the xenomorph and one of them is uh telling the uh, one of them knows where the player is mm. the other one controls the xenomorph's movements mm. and actions and what it does between these two ai is the one ai that knows where you are gives the other one clues mm. <laughs> and that's how it works so that's why it has that real feeling of uh, a lived, like, like a like a lived character because if you stay there long enough mm. the xenomorph will go like okay so it said near a vent okay so i'll go near the vent mm. okay it said near the vent and under a desk and then it's like oh now i yeah. know where you are yeah. sort of thing so if you stay in one place it will find you mm. and i love that there is so much effort being put into some horror games to make you feel like you're not just fighting an enemy, mm. you're fighting something as smarter as you. Again, when Mr. X shows up in Resident Evil ah. 2, until maybe he got overused, it was scary to mm. just go, run down the corridor, I'm fine, I've just knocked off this zombie, and then all of a sudden it's like, clump, clump. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> not this guy again. Yeah. Here he comes. No, I think uh, another strength of horror games that we've got to go into at some point mm-hmm. is uh, how they, uh, horror in general, its whole strength is being able to distill actual societal, real human fears into weird amalgamations of that are like physical manifestations of that. So like mm. William Birkin being this whole like weird fleshy eyeball mm-hmm. man that attacks you like this. <laughs> Is that how he attacks it? Yeah, whoa. That's just being a Saturday night. Like what you were transforming. Do- <laughs> well, I mean, rise, oh God. <laughs> but yeah, so and, uh, the evil within as well and mm. uh, PT with Lisa, all these people that have like strange, uh, uncanny qualities about them where it's it's the known, but it's not as you know it. Like that's the, the and gaming as a whole is that medium because it's the known. It's all these people and humans yeah. And things that we see every day, but in pixels, which already distorts it. And mm. then to put horror on top of that is like, oh, brother. Like It was like, because um, we, we were talking about this at the, we went to the Sinking City uh, yeah. preview launch event uh, yesterday. And we were talking about Sigmund Freud's uncanny theory that mm-hmm. basically what scares us the most is when something looks like a human, but does not act like a mm-hmm. human. Because it's the closest that we can do to looking in the mirror, mm. but it's the furthest from, from understanding it. And it's mm-hmm. not understanding something that gives something fear. Mm-hmm. And that is something that you cover quite a lot in your series, which is on video game enemies and what they represent. Plug, plug, plug. Yeah, see how I did that right there? So, I mean, like, and you've got to look at things like Silent Hill. Mm-hmm. The, that franchise is rife with so many hidden meanings mm. as to yeah. why this is terrifying. Like, yeah. have you guys ever met the um, rather awful creature that's... Uh, it looks like um, a big lump on a bed 
and I can't remember its name, and it's it's called something like D- Daddy or something like that. And <laughs> I yeah, have. No, no, no yeah, it's, it's 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 rough, man. It's basically it's like it's um, oh I know. It's, it's basically like meant to be the manifestation of this woman uh, whose uh, family like sexually abused her. Oh, okay. And this yeah, is not yeah, this I know. Is it's, not I, that's anymore. why I was like keeping it. Jules is keeping his tone down because yeah. he knows what's coming yeah. next. So so obviously have it. So fighting against that has that instilled fear of just like what is this mm. manifestation of horror and pain. Mm. Like, Asphyxia, I think, is a great one. Yeah. Know, from yeah. Homecoming, whereas the, um, the 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 fear of like strangulation, not being able to breathe, and oxygen, all that sort of thing, because like watching someone drown is obviously oh, in games yeah. and films and everything mm-hmm. like that. That's a really scary thing because it's it's real. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the way that they um, distill the fear of not being able to breathe into this big slug lady that's then got like hands over her mouth is is just a great way of in- interpreting that and putting it on something mm. that's really quite grotty. This is kind of why I disagree with you, Ash. In that, mm. like, obviously, you know, th- there are problems with death mechanics in like video games and mm. that that can suck out some of the tension and stuff but for me like just getting killed even though death is obviously very scary mm. like the idea of just dying isn't like what drives my sort of fear of horror movies it's, mm. it's stuff like that mm. it's like what these creatures uncanny creatures sort mm. of like represent what's happened to them and what do they sort of reflect back to me about my mm. wider fears of not just like death but like yeah. society and myself and identity and everything mm. like that and then that's what sort of freaks me the hell out I guess there's a lot more you in it's in your in your I agree <laughs> uh, uh, the in films you obviously get the weird creatures that have all yeah. these representations that are wonderful and have all these different connotations and stuff but you aren't the one facing them head on, I guess. Like in a film, you're watching someone else be like, yes. oh, wow, that's pretty scary, guys. Look at this. Mm. Whereas in a game, you're like, oh, there it is in my face. <laughs> that's not nice. Well, an interesting one is to maybe compare um, a film uh, that was made of a video game. Mm. And the have you guys seen the Silent Hill film? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, love yeah. the Silent Hill film. Right. It's pretty decent. No, now, this thing, as a, as a film, it's serviceable. Yeah. But it does not uh, encapsulate the same level of fear mm. simply because it completely misses the point of why Silent Hill 2 was so effective. Mm. In Silent Hill 2, the main character sees the sexy nurses, sees pyramid heads because they are a representation of his sexual aggression, frustrated sexual aggression, mm. and his um, frustration towards his wife and the lack of health care mm. that she mm-hmm. received in his eyes before he then murders her. Spoilers. But... In the film, you see the sexy nurses and you mm. see Pyramid Head, but they're attacking a woman who has nothing to do with this, has no connection to mm. why they, her sexual repression or anything like that. Yeah. There's, there's no connection to them, so it's just fan service. Wholly, wholly agree, right? Because that's, I love Resident Evil, one of my favorite franchises mm. of all time, but I don't find the monsters really scary, with mm. a few exceptions, mm. like the idea that they've just got loads of eyes because it looks mm. cool, mm. these monstrosities because they kind of look scary on paper, but they don't have that sort of deep connection to sort of like human fears or they don't have that same yeah. context and it's exactly what you said there that's why that th- those movies aren't as scary because they are the mm. same monsters they are the same designs and they look really good when they're blown yeah. up on like created on film but they're devoid of the actual sort of context that makes them yeah. even scarier in the first place and resonate more than just like oh my god that has lots of uh, sharp tendrils I mean <laughs> imagine like watching uh, Night of the Living Dead for the first time mm. back in 1960 like that would have been terrifying mm. because of the fact that up until that point zombies weren't really a thing yeah. in cinema and it's why they're such a popular horror figure that because it's the human but the furthest from the human so yeah. it is at its principal core the most scariest thing that we can do because it looks like Josh, it smells like Josh. Probably is Josh. Probably is Josh, but it ain't Josh. <laughs> and therefore, like, what's going on here, brother? <laughs> so, like, so in video games, though, and film, it's the oversaturation that's killed <laughs> the fear. 
And that's another thing that you need to be aware of when making a horror video game. Yeah. Because if your enemy, if you're going to base it on uh, zombies, for yeah. example, mm. you can end up uh, aiming to make the next Resident Evil in terms of a fear creative point, mm. but you could end up making Dead Rising, which literally plays them off for laughs. Yeah. So I mean, exactly. And I think they have an even bigger problem in that not only a is it the monsters themselves or like the situation themselves which are repeated and perhaps like you get to a level of fatigue with it's like the mechanics themselves I keep going mm -hmm. back to that but it's sort of like like again there was a rise in um, sort of stealthy walk and simulate horror games but mm -hmm. that those kind of died out because you were doing the same thing over and over again and when you when sort of the reaction to scary situations is just like entrenched in your muscle memory mm -hmm. that stops being scary because it yeah. becomes familiar and becomes like just something you can treat with you can treat really easily and it's like mm. you need to get away from you need to get away from that and start sort of subverting expectations which mm. again is why i think resident yeah. evil 2 works so well mm. there's a whole the whole thing that it all boils down to guys is that uh the 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 essence of horror yeah. the seed the nugget of horror is oh. the uh <laughs> <laughs> Never have I heard it. I, I want to see you with a clenched fist saying the word nugget again. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, uh, the fear of the unknown. Yes. And the more you repeat something, the more that you keep bringing it back and the more you know it, so the less scary it becomes. You don't want the same thing over and over again. And there's nothing more unknown than the afterlife and death. Yeah. Death is the epicenter of all of our unknown mysteries of mm -hmm. the world because it's a thing that happens to us all, but we don't know what the hell happens afterwards because it's impossible mm -hmm. to. Um, so I think that as long as a game can claw itself in to the unknown not and make something new, even if it's not necessarily scary as in like, oh my God, there's blood and gore everywhere. Mm -hmm. As long as it can find that and find a spin on what comes after, like zombies, what comes after, yeah. very scary. Mm -hmm. uh, on death mechanics and that sort of thing. That's where they're going to have their whole hinge of success or not. Well, it's an interesting one because I'm seeing a slight rise of uh, horror games that are doing away with any enemies whatsoever. Mm. And you'll find um, there are certain games that... Um I don't know if you guys have played uh, Gone Home and what happens to yeah, yeah. Finch and stuff yeah. like that. Like some of those areas are really scary because it is just you. It's it's the fear, it's the isolation mm. that actually is the key point of horror. Mm -hmm. Like even games like um, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture, mm. it's set in an idyllic Somerset town with sun and really nice yeah. cheery music in some places. But because you are alone, mm. that is terrifying. Yeah. I think it's, uh, for, for me, it's exactly that. That's what I'm the more scared of, I think I've realized, is like mm. both in games and movies, it's when your perception of reality especially is just sort of warped with. There's something that looks like what you expect, but you're in this mm. sort of weird nightmare version of it where nothing quite makes sense. You're in this lovely idyllic British countryside, but everyone's gone in what's happened. Yeah. You're in a hallway in PT, and yeah, you've got someone watching you, but it just repeats mm. and repeats and repeats. Mm. That's not how hallways work. No, yeah. no, I'm really yeah, scared yeah. by it. I love it when games do that. It, like, Layers of Fear, for all yeah. of its problems, has such a great way of sort of like making you navigate this surreal space that mm. is just sort of close enough to reality to be believable. You know that it's a ship. You mm. know that this hallway should connect to this, but then it doesn't. Or well, you've got locked on. You turn around, you're in a completely different place. Yeah. Mm. That kind of idea that not only are you facing up against like these terrifying creatures or whatever, mm. but you're, you literally can't trust your own eyes, which yeah. is, is that's a sort of theme of horror that I just I love. Mm. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, PT, uh, some would argue, is one of the best uh, horror experiences you can yeah. play. However, I'm going to be that devil's advocate and say, would that make a great game? Because We will never know, will we? <laughs> well, no, 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 no. This is this thing. Everyone was raving about it. Everyone says that it's just so, so good. Mm -hmm. But 
no one really considers what the final product would have been because it wouldn't have just been 30 hours in a corridor. <laughs> that very unlikely that, that very scary. unlikely that that would have been the case. It probably would have been much more open world when we, we see Norman Reedus's character mm -hmm. exit and it would have gone on from there. So therefore, as a contained experience, yes. Ticked all the horror boxes, had great sound, messed with lighting, messed yeah. with expectations, mm -hmm. had death, had uh, screaming and, and loud noise. <laughs> oh, I love screaming. Like, like literally, literally <laughs> no, yeah. all the things we've talked about, yeah. it had what would make it great. But continuing that over 30 hours, that's the real problem. Don't make it 30 hours is the answer. That's like, very that, true. The best that horror games are the shortest ones. Among the sleep, not the perfect mm -hmm. horror game, but I think it's great because it's just snappy little, okay, I'm going to go around, I'm a baby, what's going on? Oh my God, there's monsters everywhere. Like, Have you guys played no, that? No, I've not played no. that. Okay, no. well, you're a baby, there's monsters everywhere. You basically, you're a baby. You play as a, a, as a toddler who like um, comes out, like falls out of his bed or whatever, his mom I, goes. I really thought you were going to say falls out of his mom and I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> toddler as yeah. well. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, he goes out of bed and his, uh, his mom's been taken to this like demon dimension and his bear okay. comes to life and he's like, right, let's go get your mom, shall we? So you've got to go wander around and uh, all these horrible dream dimensions and try and find it. But it's like... That sounds very interesting. It's, it's really interesting. It's not the perfect horror game, okay. but the way that they play with it and how short and contained it is. It's do this, solve this, solve this. Okay, here's the outcome. Mm -hmm. And then it relates everything back to a real societal human fear at the end and then everything makes sense and you can see how it's all been implemented that's right. really interesting I like that that sounds really good to would you say that that's one of your sort of like more unexpected horror joys in video gaming that, that uh, playing that game uh, it, yeah it was one that I, I didn't know much about when I played it mm. so I was like oh, okay this is really interesting it, again not the perfect game not the best horror game you'll ever play because it's it's not but it's 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 really interesting the way that I think that that functions as a good example of constructive indie horror because the reason that i uh, ask is because just to round up this podcast i was going to ask you both what your sort of best horror video game experiences mm. were if you have any and to flip it over say what was a time where a horror game tried to scare you and just failed miserably mm. Go on, Ash. Oh, go that, oh, don't drop me in the horror <laughs> i'll start with my favorite one is uh outlast i think okay. outlast has always been one that i really love i've always been a massive nerd for found footage horror mm -hmm. and the way that that constructs fear through oh no i'm not going to start all that yeah, that was <laughs> <laughs> this was my dissertation was fine footage horror but yeah um, I, I think that that's a fantastic way of doing it and having the control of the camera the lights all that sort of thing when I played that I was genuinely like Ooh. Uh, my first playthrough of Dead Space yeah. couldn't do it I had to make my dad play it and watch him because <laughs> I, I, like, I went past that first um, one that like jumps up and yeah, I was like yeah. oh that's the end of that turn that's <laughs> off like, uh, and made my dad play it instead but yeah those are my, my favourite ones let's do, let's do favourite yeah, ones yeah. Outlast was genuinely a big one for me that yeah. was like what got me back into horror games in general because mm. I hadn't really tried any of like those like uh, the new first person ones and I mm. played that at um, uni and I think I like just shouted the entire hole down. <laughs> yeah. Like I was genuinely screaming. I know I didn't think it could. But I thought I'd have to be like really immersed, but I was yeah. sort of had the lights on. I was like in a house full of rowdy students yeah. drinking in the next room. And I was like, <laughs> uh, so that is a big one. Yeah. Silent Hill 2, I've mentioned a lot yeah. on this podcast. That is huge. Uh, the original Resident Evil games and uh that's all I can think of right now. Mm. I mean, the, for me, uh, there's two that immediately spring to my mind, and one of them is Resident Evil 1, but it mm. was the uh, director's cut, yeah. um, mm. which actually flipped a few uh, encounters around. And everyone knows the famous dog jumping through the window scene uh, at yeah. the, uh, the opening. What happened in the director's cut one is you run through, nothing happens. And for anyone who's played that, like, uh, what's happened here? And then you go, oh, okay, maybe they took it out for some reason, or they're just broken, whatever. Mm. You run to uh, do some other bits and bobs, 
five, ten minutes pass, <laughs> you run back and there's like, do 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 do, smash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that messed with expectations yeah. and completely made me drop trow on that. <laughs> drop trow. But the other one is, is in Bioshock. And mm. uh, when you get the shotgun for mm. the first time, it's on the middle of a chair in like a middle of a uh, uh, circle light room. Yeah, yes. and, every, oh my. And, every, and as soon as you pick it up, you hear that scraping of the... And you just hear like all these splices start to run mm-hmm. into the room, and they're like, "You're gonna get you! Congratulations, Fontaine!" <laughs> and then basically, like, you start shooting away at these uh, things, but you go, "Okay, I can't see them. I don't know where they're coming from." And all I can hear is them screaming mm-hmm. and prattling across the ceiling. Oh, it's terrifying that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna actually throw in another one, right? Go on then. Until dawn, rush yes! of blood. Oh, okay, no. Until rush dawn, of blood. Until dawn is a straight one. Until just... dawn is 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 amazing. But this <laughs> stupid VR game where you're on a roller coaster and you're shooting clowns in the face. One of the scariest things I've ever done. I've never. There is. I... It is terrifying. You're strapped into this like it's entirely on rails. You've got yeah. two guns which should put you at ease. Yeah. But like the way like the developers just sort of throw these enemies at you and like it's it's very much sound oriented. Okay. The second level, you're in like a pig factory, so you're surrounded by all these oversized pig uh, pigs. And you just <laughs> It's just soundtracked by like their insane squealing over and over again, like oh, incredibly loud. It is just so unnerving. And like, just yes, give me more of that. I yeah. don't know why it's so scary, but I need it. And until dawn, too, while we're on it. Fair enough, yeah. fair enough. Let's talk about a time when they tried to scare you, but you failed. Honestly, I'm struggling for one off the top of my head. That's fine. I that's am fine. struggling because uh, most of the ones I've played, I am a massive, like, Ugh. I love horror. I absolutely love it, but I'm so invested in it that it actually gets me most times. Fair enough. So I'm always like, okay, that's actually quite spooky. Um, but yeah, I, I I loved Alone in the Dark and like mm. Alan Wake and all that sort of thing. I'm not ashamed. I liked it. Wow. Um, <laughs> even that was like, oh, it's quite spooky. But yeah, <laughs> but it's, it all got to me, so... I mean, the um, the one that I was thinking of was um, I read it in an article and it triggered the memory of uh, Batman Arkham Asylum. You know when you get fear gassed by mm. the scarecrow? Yeah. And um, at first I was like, wow, this is scary because it's completely messing with the game world mm. itself. And then fast forward five, ten minutes and it's Batman punching skeletons. And I'm just <laughs> like, uh, I said, this has gone too far and yeah. is now very silly compared yep. to what it was before. Yeah, yeah. I will last two for me, sadly. You yeah, know what? Really? I, I really, I do enjoy the game. It has yeah. some interesting things to say and do, but it tries so so hard, mm. yeah. and like that can be fine. But it's just, it's just too much. It's too it, much. It's just unrelenting. It's, yeah. it's you can sort of just see through exactly what they're trying to do. Yeah. I guess that comes down to pacing, isn't it? It's like if they Entirely, paced it yeah. better, then maybe it would have been there. But they yep. put in so many set pieces into that game that it mm. felt like you were just like, oh god, can't let me catch my breath first. That's like, it. I mean, like oh, we don't have time to talk about it now, but I think mm. one of the most important elements of like creating good horror is, is the downtime. You can't yeah. just be at uh, 100 miles per hour for the entire thing, scare, 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 scare. Mm-hmm. You need to give people time to catch their breath and yeah. then actually be scared. It can't just yeah. all be pay off. You know what I mean? Mm. You're yeah. talking about the silence in Silent Hill earlier, like when that thing came out, that's like a really big thing is just saying, okay, no scary noise. Yeah. yeah. There yeah. you have it. I'm trying I'm just not trying not to say a swear. So I'm like, there you have it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Fontaine. (laughs) Congratulations. Anyway, we've done a podcast that was, thank you, Scott, for going off and letting me try my best to host this. But we hope you've enjoyed this. Let us know down below what all sort of horrific things that you've been scared by in video games and maybe some stuff that failed to scare you as well. Don't forget to give this a five-star rating on whatever podcast channel that this goes up on. I'm pretty sure you can listen to it on Spotify, Podbean, something, 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 something. I should remember this. Acast, but I, Acast, Acast, Acast that's the one. That's I, the big yeah, one. That's the big one that that's I forgot. The one we have. But yeah, thank you so much for joining. And thank you to my guest, Ash Millman. Hello, goodbye. And Josh Brown. Thank you. Would you like to plug your own little Twitter handles as well? Go on then. It's Go on. Josh Brune with two O's at the end. 
Not in the Josh. Not no. in the Josh. Not in, in the Josh. In the brown. In I the brune. I still wish that it was Josh Brune. Yeah, I might <laughs> change it, you know. Josh Brune's going to be the full thing. <laughs> okay, well, when you find Josh, mine is uh, at Ash Millman. Now, just as we're ending, you might be able to see something. What is this? <gasps> so we're just recording this. Uh, if no you're listening. about me not yeah. liking the if, window cleaners. If you are listening to this, then the window cleaner <gasps> on our seven story building has just rocked up and scared the absolute crap out of Ash. And what better <gasps> oh, way to end this podcast? They're so unnerving. They see everything. <laughs> I've been Jules. Thank you so much, guys, for joining me. And we'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye. I'm Ash dead. Run I'm off. dead. Ash is gone. Bye. I can't see the faces. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.